0: we've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, InternationalHorsecollege.com. registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Catherine McDowell. So Catherine's a qualified coach. She started bush riding and then grew an interest in classical riding. She's also a qualified herbalist and she's worked alongside Robert McDowell and studied under Dorothy Hall. Catherine's also a regular contributor to health articles for several magazines, including Holistic Horse Magazine, USA Baroque Horse, Dressage International, Equine News Australia, Quarter Horse Magazine, and other periodicals. How are you today, Kath? I'm
1: really well, thanks, and thanks for having me.
0: Oh, look, good to talk to you, Kath. A good subject for people with horses. I think equine nutrition's good, or the herbs that can go alongside complementing, I suppose, you know, horse feed, horse nutrition is, I think, an area of interest to a lot of people. So it's really good talking to you. But before we get started on that, I'd like to know what your favorite quote is, something that you regularly say or something that's inspired you, influenced you with horses. What have you got?
1: Well, I don't think you can go past let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, which is, <laughs> which is of course, by the famous Hippocrates, you know. Um, you can't get anything more encapsulating uh, of what herbal medicine actually is than that.
0: All right. Tell us about, now I know you started off with bush riding. I know you started off, as a lot of people do, just on a family property and then went to classical. But tell us one of your early yes. memories of horses, you know, something that, that you sort of
1: you learn by or you know what not to do can you remember something well i mean I, i think all horse owners when you when you're getting into it particularly i mean when i was growing up it was very much in the bush and it certainly isn't like it is now with the information that's around there um so everything was kind of handed down and i was you know helped by my grandfather who was in world war one he was an artillery wagon driver and and we ran the farm and he had 18 horses and so I really grew up with that very deep history of animal care but by the time I, I came along it had bypassed the generation so my dad didn't give two hoops about horses although he did have some standard breads that he bred and raced a couple and of course we were, we were cattle farmers um so anything that we did was obviously had to be of practical nature so you know and you, you learn to do things uh with what you have we didn't have special facilities everything had to be worked together so so all of our horses I think we end up having you know probably 40 horses at, at one point on our property and they're all in a band so you'd learn to um you know run horses in in particular ways and you'd learn unique ways of training them you just invent them yourself so i was always you know riding bareback or or using a halter and then of course the care of them we didn't really have much to do with that because they were all self-caring and we we rarely wormed them they were out on pasture the only time and this probably was the most pivotal thing that i remember was my beautiful pony. I'd been given for my 11th birthday this beautiful little three-year-old black, Um, I think he was a stock horse, Cross Morgan horse, and he was about 13-tree, spunkiest little horse you've ever seen, really showy. And um, I just love that horse. I, I went everywhere with him. I taught him to, you know, do a levade. To me, it was a rear. I thought I was, you so, know, so some sort of Western person and just doing fun things like that. Um, but the thing that was really disappointing uh, that we didn't know is that he got into some wheat one day and got some toxic laminitis. So that was probably my first and, and int- you know, early on understanding of, of these really chronic conditions, laminitis and, you know, and there was very, very little that anyone knew about it back then. You know, basically it was just do the best you can. And and I, you know, we locked him up off, you know, uh, pasture. And I remember walking him three times a day and my vet who I ended up working with my vet, you know, years later um, as a vet nurse. But, you know, we, we were working really steadily and we had no idea what we were doing back in yes. those days. Yes. It's nothing like it is now. Yes. It's the knowledge that, that we have. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure that would have been a, a traumatic for you as a young child too, you know, your favourite horse, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your career with horses because you've sort of had a bit of a, you've had a couple, you know, you've been a coach and now you're a herbalist. Tell us what made you have a career, you know, what uh, what was the steps there?
1: Yeah, yeah well, I, I think, um, I mean, the One of the things the early drivers of my career was the fact that I had a young child and and I had to take care of them and and you have to take care of yourself. So all of my decisions really have been based around, you know, what serves the best purpose at the most immediate moment. And fortunately for me, organically, I have um, come across some great opportunities which I've been bold enough to take. Um, The first one, of course, being a vet nurse, which then, well, I I went to, to um, Hawkesbury Ag and, and learned uh, obviously about equine health but uh, and general management but post that I was at a, uh, I was working for vets I then um, actually by chance ended up working as a uh, case manager for 10 years for a government organisation for people with disabilities so I learned a lot about uh, psychology and things like that during that time and of course at, during that 10 years I was also a part time coach Uh, outside because that was my love my love was always the horses and it was always there so the coaching side of it took um, I guess started when I was young because my dad and and mum were happy for us to sort of have a little bit of a trail riding business on the side so we did did that at home earn a bit of money and I sort of started started that idea went to university sort of kept doing a little bit of coaching on the side then I decided to get qualified um, which was a big deal for me because I wasn't I was always a little bit worried and, and daunted by these amazing practitioners out there. You know, I mean, these people are incredible. You know, you just have to look at Colleen Brooke and, and all those wonderful Olympians. And, and, you know, it's very daunting for someone who's, you know, just from the bush <laughs> looking at these people. Um, but I did. I, I got the courage up and I, and I invested in doing my level ones. And I had the privilege of riding with some of these people. Uh, and I, I found myself a lovely old, a lovely mare. She was uh, a C grade show jumper, and I learned how to how to actually show jump. And and it was yeah, it was a really lovely thing to do. And and post that, I was able to then bring my my education from my psychology into my coaching, and I really was able to integrate that really well. And I became quite a well known coach actually locally. And I ended up also doing some assessment work for Burke, Marion, Hartog. Through, through their um, coaching course. And I did that for many, many years. Yeah, very interesting. Mm, mm, for sure,
0: for sure. And then you started to become interested in herbs, becoming a herbalist. You got some qualifications. Yeah. How does the business help complement horse
1: people? Well, I think what's interesting about this business is, I mean, first of all, it's located in Bathurst where I was, so it's a yep. geographical accident yep. That, yep. that, I mean, and really i people can get some support. of
0: your um, things by post, can't they? You know, it's not yeah, just yeah, people around, are, around are, Bathurst, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's completely... In, we're actually an in international business now. Mm-hmm. Um, but how I came to be involved in this business is because it was located here and Robert McDowell, who everybody probably now knows, he wrote the book Herbal Horsekeeping, um he's the one that started the business um and he was a dorothy Hawk graduate and then, of course, I met him at some at some point during our you know i guess cohabitation of the same town and i and I was always very interested in horses and then at the time I was sort of interested through my psychology training, I was sort of getting into alternative thinking because there were some very interesting um Studies being done at the time on yoga, meditation, and and alternative things. So I was sort of already sort of that was piquing my interest. My sister's a homeopath, um, and natural things just seemed to be a better option in my opinion because I I was brought up without you know the use of of drugs. So it was seemed a very natural thing for me. And and when I met Robert, I was immediately um, aware of the fact that he knew nothing about horses, but was a very 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 good herbalist. Whereas I knew a lot about horses, but I, and I was also into alternative things, and so I, I actually had a, had my own rooms there as a practicing um, counsellor for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing some uh, some support work there, and he, and he and I were working together for a long time before we actually got married. But at that point, you know, we were sort of working together and and going out west and seeing horses and going up and. And I was advising him behind the scenes. And that sort of went, that was ongoing after our marriage, actually. And, and of course, I then became qualified and, and it just becomes an organic thing. And then we set up a farm, a rehab centre, which was known as Keller Shield Park. Um, and, and that was in a very beautiful property, which, which we set up specifically for rehabbing horses. And, and I, that's where I spent a lot of my time coaching, actually. Yeah, from the time from I guess when was that happening? From say 2003 to yeah. to 20 um, to, to 2009. Yeah, that that took place. So if someone wants to work with horses,
0: you know, if you've got someone even at your um, property now that wanted to work with horses and they came out and you wanted to give them a job to do some horse care, what sort of besides the knowledge, what sort of core skills or character traits would they have to have?
1: Well, I think they just have to learn know how to work. I mean, I, I think the key thing, that, and I just remember being when I went to uh, Hawkesbury, for example, I didn't know what I was doing really. I mean, no one knows what they're doing out there. I mean, just for anyone's information, no one really knows what they're doing in the world. It's all a bit like an accident. And you can have, have plans so long as your plans are made of string. So my advice is be prepared to be flexible, be prepared to work hard, but you do have to have an end goal in mind. So, I mean, it depends on um, on what your end goal is. Now, as, as, a, as an employer, because I now employ staff, um, what am I looking for? Well, it depends on the type of the job, obviously, but hard work. You've got to be able to be adaptable, be turn your hand at, at many skills, be a bit practical about it and not be too precious about things. I think that's, that's, that's number one. And in terms of... Um, working for say this herbal this our business in particular uh, being able to be multitask is is probably critical and and i still so you've got two two or three ends of the spectrum going on here it's it's the world's becoming very complex so it's it's a bit of a tricky question
0: but <laughs> i think the multitasking is important too particularly in small businesses because small businesses might need someone to look hard to care for horses but also to jump on the computer and also to be able to answer the phone and also to be able to, you know, even repair something or coach or do something else. It's not just all about I'm going to work with horses and all I'll do all day is just pat horses. It's having many skills under the same umbrella and even you bringing your psychology into your coaching, you know, if you can bring it all in and have skills that complement each other, I think that's quite good.
1: So I think life experience, I mean, life life by nature of it, you know, by the fact that we're living, is educating us at every moment. And you either have an understanding of that or you don't. You either think that you know life is a bit like a railway track and there's just all these steps and I just have to go on the next step. It's not like that. Life is filled with so many variables that the key thing as an individual that I look for is adaptability and, um, you know, and and the integrity to follow through on your word and, of course, being able to to be a hard worker uh, and reliability, all those things are things I work for. I mean, skills can be trained, but character can't be trained. Character is is innate and I tend to look for people with good character as my primary um, choice. And, And I do find that people that work with horses, horses educate you, because horses, by they by virtue, are complete mirrors to you. So if you're going to be not a particularly nice person, you're going to have that. You're not going to be a particularly successful horse person. No, that's right. You know, so, that's yeah. right. so most yeah. horse people, I find, are, 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 pretty, are pretty decent people, is what I find. What's the best thing about working in the horse industry? Well, I actually think it is the people. Um, I think you know, it's very it's very rare to come across someone who's who's trying to take advantage of horses in the wrong way. I mean, I think most people have got a good intention. They're they're with horses because they know horses provide something in their life that is incredibly valuable. And, unless you know, there's always the person out there who sees it as an ego thing. I think those people are less and less. Um, I think the most, the core people, and particularly the people I deal with, are the people that really genuinely love their animals And they want to have a nice life. And I find that those people are absolute joy to be with. And and I love my job because I'm dealing with people who really love their horses.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've talked about Robert McDowell and Dorothy Hall as people who've influenced you and helped you in your career. But what about horses? Have you got a particular horse who you'd like to mention? (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you a story because this is this is probably the single most important case history um, that has really um, it's really influenced the way this practice is run now, and it comes back to this extraordinary condition, laminitis, which I'm, everyone in the horse industry knows about it. So the story is I, I had a beautiful horse that I bought from a very expensive horse, I'll say, because I was having a moment in my coaching career that I thought I might go professional at one point, which we all do. We all have a fancy for that. So I bought this expensive horse and thinking that this horse was going to be my horse to you know, really put my efforts into. And little, and of course, this is where my you know the lesson about life teaches you that what you think you're doing and what you're actually doing are usually two different things. So I bought this very expensive horse, and yes, he was going to give me my he was definitely going to give me the um, the career support that I needed, but not in the way I thought. So I get this expensive horse home, and he is a um, you know very overweight. He'd been you know, fed in the stable, and, and look, he was what was he? He was about seven years old. He was a Jive Magic um, gelding, he was bred by Heath and Rosie Ryan, a beautiful horse. And But he'd been, um, he hadn't been worked very much. So by the time I had him, I mean, he'd sort of been kept in the stable and pampered and looked beautiful and, you know, looked absolutely gorgeous and been lunged a lot, but that was about it. And but when I got him home, because I'd bought him from Victoria and I'd brought him up to to New South Wales, that trip was it's quite an extraordinary trip. It was it happened in uh, January or December or January, so it was a hot trip. He was fed the carrier. He was uh, with a carrier who obviously just used loose and hay as their main fodder. He was fed loose and hay the whole way. I picked him up in Sydney. By the time I got him home, he was just very doughy and he was a, and he was a little bit lame. I took him off the float and let him have a run around. He, he didn't want to move. He was slightly lame. I couldn't tell. I didn't know what the hell was wrong with him. I couldn't believe that I bought this horse and he was just lame. Anyway, as it progressed, I put him out again thinking that was the right thing to do. Didn't know what was going on. Only for him to, six hours later, develop a full-blown case of
0: laminitis.
1: Oh, wow. So bad bad that he then had an 11-degree rotation and no one, and I'm telling you, no one in Australia Could tell me how to fix this horse. Not one person, and it took me two years to fix this horse. And the reason I've I've now I've actually have got a really good program for laminitis and equine metabolic syndrome. All these syndromes. I mean, this was when when was it? This was two thousand and nine. So back when this was happening, no one knew anything about it. Metabolic syndrome was a bit of a catchphrase because nobody else knew what knew what to call it. Um, vets were sort of toying with the idea, you know. No one was sort of saying anything about what it was. We, I mean, in herbal medicine as a herbalist, we, you know, we we treat the metabolism all the time. So I was kind of working along these ideas, but no one could tell me what to feed him properly. And, you know, I was thinking, hang on a minute, I was going to have to work this out for myself. So I did. So I ended up working it out. I went through the whole program. We did special show. We did everything, everything that was out there at the time. We we did it, and eventually. I worked out exactly what we needed to do to fix this horse. And I did. I got him right. The rotation was corrected, um, got the syndrome completely under control so you could put him out. I mean, you still had to manage him, but, you know, it wasn't going to be a trigger. Like it would be that a trigger could have been an apple core before, sure, you know, whereas, yes. you know, once they're corrected, things you, you, mar- you, you get a much greater degree of flexibility mm-hmm. in, in how your management goes. Um, and, you know, and I kept that horse down. That, ho- that horse has since moved on to a new owner who's having the best time with him, which I'm really delighted for. Um, he was too intensive for me um, because I'm so busy in the business. Yeah. Um, but where he is now, he's in 100% sound. He's being managed well and it's perfect. But that horse, Jamison was his name, uh, was probably the most educational horse and important horse. I've probably ever owned, besides Rosie, who took me over some massive boxes when I was doing my jumps down for my little ones in front of Colleen Brook and Simon Kale for my assessment.
0: <laughs> okay, what do you think your proudest moment is?
1: Well, I think my proudest moment would have been doing those jumps with Colleen Brook okay. <laughs> watching me and getting okay. past for my level ones. And that was <laughs> with Rosie, that was riding Rosie, yeah. That was, that was big Rosie. And actually she is, uh, you, you can see her on, on my website page. And um, actually, yeah, I'll have to do another post about her. She's passed on now. But uh, she was a gorgeous mare and just so honest, you know, beautiful.
0: Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Okay, now, just to do with people understanding the nature of the use of herbs, Four horses in a holistic way. What's been your biggest challenge?
1: Well, I think just getting people to realise that the body is an ecosystem. All bodies. I mean, we, we we are part of a massive ecosystem. I mean, we are part of the ecosystem. We're influencing the ecosystem as as we speak. This is what the climate change debate's all about. Um, you move that to a micro level, our own bodies are an ecosystem and we now know that, all that information that's coming out about microbiota and we all already know that the biology on our body is, you know, is, is massive and, uh, and, you know, and it's a symbiosis. So understanding that we are operating within and can influence consciously our environment is a really important thing. And herbs, how do they relate to that? Because they're compost. They're composting our bodies. And if we are composting our bodies, the synergistic nature of the smallest amount of nutrition, plus don't forget that herbs have components in them that aren't necessarily uh, have been studied or identified as being beneficial. And and science, as fabulous as it, as it is, doesn't actually look at the relationship between things. It's only just beginning to realise things like cofactors and... Um, you know, hormones that actually are the biology of emotion, these sorts of things, very recent science. So so a lot of people are still functioning in very old paradigm science. So you could say that if you're an up-to-date holistic therapist, you're actually cutting edge because it's in our interest to look at exactly where um, the, the human race is going, where the environment's going and where health is going because everything is interconnected. So that is my my biggest thing, is to get people to really understand how interconnected we all really are and where herbs sit in that. Herbs sit as probably one of the most under but most powerful and most potent forms of helping us to find a dynamic balance within that. And, you know, one of the things, and this is why I've got my two lectures happening at Equitana, which we'll probably talk about later, but... One is on um, the compromised metabolism, equi- uh, and I'm yes. going to go into some great depth about that. Um, in that one-hour lecture, I've got some fantastic and really recent science to help support what I'm saying. Um, but, it, of course, it is, you know, a lot of this is philosophical as well. So you've got to have in your own mind a worldview and a philosophy that can sort of adapt to, to these changes because we all know that, survival of the fittest actually comes down to those that are the most adaptable. So we need things that are adaptive and herbal medicine is also adaptive. So we have this ability within herbal medicine to support not only weaknesses of the system but to normalise systems and to help systems adapt and that is critical to our modern way of thinking.
0: Okay. Thinking about the, the clients that you consult to, the people you consult to about their horses – What's the most common bit of education you give them? You know, what's their, a common fault or something that they lack that you educate them or you fix?
1: Well, I think because there's a lot of, and this is probably the easiest to, to digest, is about the digestion. So, yes. so I do work a lot with digestion because mm-hmm. it's topical. Yeah. There's a lot of science coming out about it now, and I love it because it just is what we do, and it's what we've always done. Um, and so, things that we're that we've always done are now becoming so topical. So I can really bring those things into with some really hard science to show people, well, hey, I'm not just you know talking out of you know out of my mind here. I, there is history associated with this. there's, there's also relevant science associated with this. Uh, And, of course, if you become an objective observer of your own environment, you will begin to see it as well. If you take a perspective, a step back, and by education, you can encourage people to to look at those things in slightly different ways and they can see the pattern Mm -hmm. and they can notice things in a different way.
0: All right. So we talk about digestion. What can we do to help Mm -hmm. improve a horse's digestion?
1: Well, I think... um, one of the key things is, of course, you have to assess the diet because all horses need very simple digestion. They need simple they need simple starches uh, or, or you know non-soluble um, fiber. Yep. A, ho- a lot of that, which is forage. Uh, and I have my specific um, diets that I like to use, and it's and of course coupled with that, it's got to be available. It's got to be available to everybody. and everyone's environment slightly different. So depending on the individual's environment, I mean, I tend to um, talk to people about just keeping it very simple, low GI. Um, I'm a big um, advocate of just keeping it so simple that I don't even like to put additives in unless we absolutely have to. So the only additives that I like to use are usually herbs or seeds, so whole foods. Um, and then we go from there. So if there's definite deficiencies, and we assess the soil, and we we look at pasture, and we and we do things holistically. So herbs aren't necessarily just about herbs, because you know I'm a herbalist, but it is about looking at um, the whole environment and where your your animal sits. So for example, an animal that or a horse that's in a stable situation and being you know, Charlon is gonna have a slightly different prescription from me than a horse that's in a in a wonderful open field with uh, native pasture which is naturally low GI anyway, uh and, and is experiencing long periods of dryness. Mm-hmm. You know, those horses are often the best. Yeah. Those horses are the healthiest. And they're and they're the horses that I grew up with in that environment. So so we see where we see the biggest changes of the microbiota is actually in the smaller environments where they're getting intensively farmed, uh, given all sorts of wonderful things that look really good on the label but may not necessarily be that good internally uh, and compromise their gut health. And of course, you know, then we've got all the other concerns like, you know, excessive amounts, excessive use of butte or overworming or, uh, you know, maybe too much antibiotics or whatever it might be. Uh, that's compromising their metabolism at any one time because of these external factors. So, they, it, you know, it's, it's a pretty intensive kind of assessment and consultation that you'll get with with me okay. to to find out exactly what which way we need to go. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: What about <laughs> books? Yeah. So, if we're looking at books to read, I mean, anything yeah. from Dorothy Hall, of course. I re- I recommend they are hard to get, but if, yeah, so it depends on what sort of um, reading that you want to do. The Robert McDowell book, the Herbal Horsekeeping book, is now currently out of print, unfortunately, but I do know that it is uh, available in some second-hand book places, so I'm sure people can find it. Um, Our website is absolutely jam-packed with so much information. So if you want really good, up-to-date reading, our website's fantastic. And in terms of um, writing information, I can't go past Philippe, Karl. Okay, mm-hmm. yep, yep,
0: because I think you were instrumental in bringing him to Australia, is that right?
1: Yep, I was, that's right, yeah, no, I was. I actually went to France and I, I met him mm-hmm. and invited him over and I did that with another girl who was in WA and we both brought him out together and I hosted him at our, at our property here in Bathurst in 2009 yep. and, um, and, yeah, so, and that was instrumental at starting the, the leisure movement in Australia. Now, what are you looking forward to now? Well, we're just looking forward to getting to Equitana.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the two lectures at Equitana. Just tell us a little bit, give us a bit of background about the two.
1: Okay, so the first lecture is about natural worming protocols, mm-hmm. which I am focusing a lot on digestion, and I do give a lot of practical, um, practical tips and take home. So you can go home, make up some mixes for yourself. You don't have to buy anything from me. You can just do it yourself. Uh, and start that, um, and and I'll be breaking down. You know, obviously the whole link between the gut gut dysbiosis and general health, and and I'll also be presenting some amazing case studies for, for people as well. Yeah, uh, and then and then the second one is on the compromised equine metabolism, which, as I said before, is Jamie's my my little horse that's helped me get to understand that even more. Okay yeah so i'm sure you've you've heard of insulin resistance Cushing's and yes. metabolic syndrome you've 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 heard of all of those mm. conditions so and unfortunately they are you know those conditions now are on the rise primarily because of um the change of our environment i mean it's it's just it's human impact it's it's what we're doing to our feed it's what we're doing to our data in our day to day lives you know it's it's not just human anymore uh well it was it was always everything, including our, our horses.
0: All right. Now, Kath, in just a couple of sentences, can you summarise your philosophy with horses?
1: Okay. So it's purum non-serum, which is first do no harm. So it's that's the Latin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, Hippocrates. Yeah. Do, first do no harm. It's the Hippocratic Oath. And, you know, and I think that whilst, you know, that's sort of the modern medicine's, Catch cry. It really did originate um, as healers and herbalists. That's what that's where it came from. Okay. And I think that you know we can apply that philosophy uh, in our treatment of horses, in our treatment of each other, and in our treatment of the world. So I think that's probably why my philosophy is as it is.
0: Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Now, apart from seeing you at Equitana, Kath, and your details will be on your page, which will be horsechats.com slash katherine mcdowell go to horsechats.com search for Catherine. search for mcdowell how else can people contact you just in case then
1: you can just search McDowell's herbal on google and we'll we'll come up um mm-hmm. you can find us on facebook again McDowell's herbal and it's just and it, the website address is mcdowellherbal.com perfect
0: All right, Kat, thanks very much for talking to us. Great to talk to you, and we'll either talk to you again sometime soon or catch up at Equitana.
1: Look, I look forward to it, and thank you so much.
0: Okay, bye-bye.
1: Thanks, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat,
0: then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com.